following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Let's go, baby! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Wednesday, August 26, 2020, Season 16, Episode number 16. Welcome to another edition of The Break. I am live from the virtual SWBC Mortgage Studio. Uh, I got Dave Hellman, Nick Eatman, Amber Garcia along with me, and we got an hour of Cowboys talk for you guys right here on The Break. Uh, we are going to get into a lot of topics today. Actually, we're going to do some camp battles. Cowboys are about halfway through training camp at this point. It's hard to believe, but in uh, approximately two and a half weeks, Cowboys will be playing their first game uh, against the Rams in Los Angeles. But we're going to talk about some camp battles. We have about six different positions that we're going to talk about, some different players and how they're performing, how they're competing. But before we get to that, we have to start with a topic that we've talked about many times on this show before and thought we were done with the topic until late last week when Earl Thomas became available because the Baltimore Ravens cut him. So let's talk a little bit about this, guys. Um, Jerry says yesterday in an interview that he did with our local radio partner, The Fan, uh, we're just weighing where we are on the roster right now. He was noncommittal that the Cowboys would actually have interest in signing him, but he also... Uh, made it clear that anybody reporting that they are not interested doesn't know what they're talking about. So I'll start first with just Earl Thomas as a player. Based upon what the Cowboys have right now on their roster, and understand that Jerry says they're looking at the roster, looking at their own safeties, where do you think Earl Thomas would rate relative to those guys? Does he come in and is he immediately much better, becomes a starter, so maybe it makes it worth it? Or do you think at this point in his career, maybe there's a bit of a decline and he just kind of fits in. It's maybe not worth the uh, the hassle of bringing him in. I'll start first with you, Nick. His last game was the Pro Bowl. He He's going to be better than anybody on the team at safety. He's better than those guys. They, they, they know that going in. They don't need to see more tape of Darian Thompson or Xavier Woods or HaHa to realize where he's going to fit. They're trying. I, I think they're trying to weigh the three pages of baggage that come with them and see if it fits in. But in my mind, he's still head and shoulders above every safety on this team and probably all but one or two in the NFL. Amber. I mean, there's not much to add to that. That's a guy that has so much experience. The upside is that the coaches have plenty of tape that they can look at to evaluate him compared to all these younger guys that it's just so much difficult to to really know how these players are really going to turn out when the lights come on in a real game so he has that whole advantage that he is a proven player he has the experience and we've been talking about him for what three years now so we know that he has the talent and I think he he would be the best guy within the group that the Cowboys currently have. Dave. I do want to, I want to say, at least for the record, I mean, you would not be signing the Earl from the 2013 and 2014 Legion of Boom. I don't think he's that player anymore, but it's a testament to the work that the Cowboys have not done at the safety position that he would still easily be an upgrade over what they have. Uh, I don't think there's any question about it. I don't think... You know, 
you're getting an above average safety instead of an elite one at this point in his career probably but there's no evidence that says they have another above average safety so yeah i mean he's his game has probably dropped off a decent amount but he would still be an upgrade and that's you know to nick's point that ain't the question so I guess let's go in and talk about that question. I think we all agree that Earl Thomas uh, is, from a play standpoint, um, above what, what maybe you have already on the roster. Uh, how much do the things that are off the field, the things that happened in Baltimore, how much do those things concern you? He had to, and, and, uh, a situation that came up with his, uh, with his wife during the offseason where she pulled a gun on him. Uh, we had a situation, obviously, with the Baltimore Ravens where there was a teammate who he got into a fight with, and supposedly reports are that their, their team inner council um, made it clear to, to the, the head coach and others in the organization that they were okay with the idea of him no longer being with them. All that being said, how concerned are you with those other issues that come along with Earl Thomas? Let's start with you, Amber. I, I am done. <laughs> After hearing all of this, I am done with the whole Earl Thomas hype and wanting the Cowboys to sign him. Honestly, when it comes to all those off-field issues, to me, I look those things are very, very important, especially when you hear the severity of it. You should never, ever, no matter what the situation was on the field, you should never get into a, a dilemma or a fight with a teammate. I don't think that's acceptable. And that really hurts your locker room. You don't want that from a veteran guy. You don't want that from someone that you would expect to be a leader in the group. So I just don't think it's healthy for, for the locker room and the uh, relationship and the dynamic that this team has finally been able to build during these past couple of years. Dave. You know, I have, I have a few thoughts about this. Um, I, I it, it, it's obviously bad. There's obviously a lot of baggage. Um, clearly, it's not one thing that leads you to get kicked off of a team like that. Having said that, I will say this is there's this is a, a very popular playbook with NFL teams. Is this you know this stuff never leaks out until the guy is gone, and then when you want an argument for cutting him, there's this mountain of evidence that nobody ever talked about. You know, we experienced it with Des Bryant to a degree where. He had all of these quirks that were funny and charming when he was very good, and then when they wanted to justify getting rid of him, he was the worst person in the world. Um, having said that, every year, if you follow the NFL, the, the Baltimore Ravens are so highly thought of for how smart they are. They kill the draft every year. They find guys like Lamar Jackson outside the first round. They trade a fifth-round pick for Calais Campbell. You know, they are smart they are one of the best run organizations in the nfl and for them to be willing to eat that contract to get rid of him says a lot to me like they're just like we don't care if we have to pay you this we we want you gone our players want you gone that's a 14 and 2 team that was a game away from uh the nfc or the afc championship game um that's troubling to me so it's it, yeah i i don't know it gives me a lot of pause all right. You know, Nick. Dave, Dave, your point is it reminds me of when Seattle uh, traded for Jamal Adams. And it's like, oh, my God, the Cowboys, they couldn't afford that if that's the price. But Seattle can afford it because Seattle has done better. They're in the playoffs every year. They've drafted better. They've got better players around it, and they've got a quarterback locked up. So they could do that where the Cowboys couldn't. 
that brings me back to your point there. The Baltimore Ravens are like, we can't, we're good, we don't need that. While it's troubling, the Cowboys are not in that situation. The Cowboys need players like that. And so they're not in the same boat of saying, we'll figure it out because we got these other guys. The Cowboys have been trying to figure out safety since this guy, Darren Woodson. So they're in a different boat. And Jerry, 1992, September of 92. I'm not sure everybody on this on this show was alive then, and, or, or at least out of diapers. But Jerry still remembers that Charles Haley came in and, and lifted this team to another level. He still knows that. That might be 28 years ago or 27, whatever. But he knows that, and he still re- relies on maybe Earl Thomas or maybe these guys is that one thing we need to go over the top. So, you know, a lot of people in this organization, I think, are, are agreeing with you guys. But Jerry is, is, holds the cards. And I think Jerry still thinks this guy might be the one. If he yeah. remembers, and let's also be clear about uh, this. Okay. Go ahead, Dave. I, if, he, if he remembers Charles Haley, I hope he remembers Greg Hardy, too, because it can go the other way. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, with, without, without a doubt, it can. But, I mean... That, and and I think that this is, this football team is probably not going to go four and twelve. I mean, Greg Hardy, Greg Hardy wasn't going to help that that team. And yeah, Greg Hardy destroyed the, the locker room. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But I think the difference is between those teams is Charles Haley didn't come in and and he wasn't necessarily the leader. That 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 team was already kind of getting established. Greg Hardy played games when Kellen Moore was the quarterback and Brandon Wheaton and, and Castle and all that where. That that whole year was kind of dysfunctional, but um, you're right. I mean, you can you can always say that there's there's reasons. I mean, and there's a lot more than Greg Hardy's. He's he's lost more than he has won uh, when when you're taking chances on these guys. I have a couple in the 2008 season come to mind, but you know this this year seems kind of different. So I, I could see where you know maybe th- this will work, maybe. Yeah, I, I'll throw this out too, Dave. I know you mentioned uh, you know sometimes. The, it becomes uh, just kind of something that people say once a guy is gone, it's a convenient thing. But, you know, I'll, you use the example of Des Bryant. I'll say even when Des was here, we heard about things internally that, that weren't necessarily publicly known, but things that were happening during the time when Des was here where there were some eyebrows being raised within the building about certain things he was doing and, and sometimes getting away with. So I, I don't know that I necessarily dismiss a lot of those things that come out once a player's gone. I actually take the other approach. I actually look at it and say a lot of times the truth actually comes out when a player's gone because there are no consequences to the truth coming out. So I tend to believe some of the stuff we're hearing about what's coming out of Baltimore. I just personally believe the guy may be a little bit better than <laughs> than the problems that maybe he was having there. Go ahead, Dave. Well, I, I, I will also say the other, and you, that's a good point, you know, when there's no consequences, you can speak more freely. The other thing is you're willing to put up with that stuff if a guy's amazing. Um, and, you know, Dez wasn't amazing anymore when they decided to move on from him. And I, I still maintain my point that Earl is probably, no, he's definitely better than what the Cowboys have. But is he on that level where he is worth that headache? I mean, if he is bar none the best safety in the NFL, sure. If he's the 12th best safety in the NFL, is it still worth it? And I think that's probably what they're weighing or have been weighing, you know, this week. You know, go ahead. Go ahead. Amber. I I was going to say real quick, it makes me wonder, we know how much Earl has been wanting to be a part of the Dallas Cowboys. So it makes me wonder if he was to get here and be signed by the Cowboys, 
does he change his behavior? Does he go from doing all these things to now, let me put on my good boy hat and do good here and just act better and try to be that kind of leader because he wants to be with the Cowboys. So it, this is a tough one, honestly. But, you know, everything that, that, is st- that you can read about him stems from he seems unhappy. He, he, just, he was unhappy in Seattle to the point to run all the way to the other locker room. And, and if, if you're not a Cowboy fan, you hate that. Cowboy fans didn't bother because they're like, wow, maybe he wants to come here. But that's terrible for, for a player to really do that. Um, now, I think she makes a good point, though. If this is where he ultimately wants to be, then and he also has to figure out, do you want to play football or not? I mean, do you want to be remembered as this guy and, and kind of tarnish your career? Or do you want to say, hey, let's get it together. Let's play. You're, you're with the team you want to be. You're back closer to home. Act act right. Put on your good boy hat if there is one. And, and you know, what, what else do you need? I mean, we, we've got, a, you know, an offense here for you that, that should score some points. we got 17 pass rushers up front. I mean, what, what else is there? So I think, I think he might look at this and go, this would be, you know, I, I've got to act right and I've got to, you know, clean this thing up. Yeah, I think the other point to remember there is that you also have to remember that when it comes to these guys, uh, really not just these guys, I'm talking about people in general. When you insert a person into a group dynamic, they may not fit in one group and then they move to another group and may fit very perfectly, right? Uh, we don't know the dynamics of that group. We don't know what players he got along with, didn't get along with. We don't know who was the leader and who wasn't. Like, who was saying things that maybe he took offense to? Or what was he saying that maybe someone else took offense to? Are those same dynamics here in Dallas? We don't know. I do want to know one thing that I personally believe, and I'll, I'll ask this question to you guys. I think that the veterans, particularly on the defensive side of the ball on this team, particularly, particularly people like, uh, like, like Tank, um, I think they are strong personalities. I think they have skins on the wall. Um, and I think they, they would challenge him in a way that I think he would respect and maybe vice versa. And I think, you know, again, I don't know what the dynamic was in Baltimore. But my question for you guys is, do you think that the leadership here on this team, and you could specify on the defense, is strong enough that even if he were to come here and something were to go wrong, that, there would, uh, that, that it wouldn't destroy the locker room because they have good leadership? Let's start with, uh, with you, Dave. I think, I mean, you laid it out really nicely, and, and I absolutely think that they do have the, you know, they have the character to weather that between Tank, uh, Tyrone Crawford, um, Jalen Smith, Leighton Van Der Esch. I mean, the list goes on, but I'll bring it up again. Um, that 2015 team was not devoid of guys with skins on the wall. I mean, I know he got hurt, but Tony Romo was here. Des Bryant was coming off the best season of his career. Say what you will about his production, but Jeremy Mincy was a respected and well-liked leader of that team. Uh, you know, he won the Good Guy Award two years in a row. Um, Brandon Carr was here, a high-character guy with a lot of skins on the wall. And it, it didn't stop Greg Hardy from just messing everything up. And you don't want to put all the blame on him, but I think that was instrumental in, in getting Randy Gregory off the right track. So... To some degree, I, I agree with you, but I also just, I don't think you can predict it that cleanly. Uh, yeah, I mean, all, all those guys were here last year, and we all agree the chemistry wasn't there for the defense last year. Uh, there, there were some big-time problems, especially toward the end of the season when things were frustrating, uh, and that was with Tank here and Jalen here. And again, I know he was hurt, but Tyrone Crawford was still hanging around. I mean, um, to some degree, I'm not sure 
that even the best locker room can combat that stuff perfectly. And that's why this gives me so much pause, honestly. Well, let me ask you this, though, Dave. I, I want to make sure I'm clear. Um, you believe that, that Greg Hardy basically was the reason for poor play? Or do you think it just affected that room? Or do you think it affected the entire defense? What, what are you saying about what Greg Hardy brought, brought, Greg Hardy brought to the team? I think he had a really negative impact on the locker room in a lot of ways. I, I mean, I thought that was pretty well documented. Okay. Well, Nick. what happens? Well, what happens there is you're also you also got to remember who was the best player on that defense, Greg Hardy. I mean, he was the best player. <laughs> now he was a problem off the field. He was a problem on the field. The that's. There's really no difference between that and Terrell Owens. When you get a guy in here whose talent is better than the others, David Irving's another example, too. David Irving, a guy, these guys play well on the field. It's hard to justify what they're doing. Then off the field, they don't do everything they need to. So why, if you're a young guy, in Hardy's case, Greg, uh, Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence, why should they be showing up early to meetings? Why should they not fall asleep in meetings? This guy's doing it, and he's fine. There, it, 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 it's like we say all the time, Derek. They, these guys halt leadership. It's hard to be a leader because you can't tell. Let's say Earl Thomas comes here and he does it a certain way, and Donovan Wilson's like, "Well, that's the way I'm going to do it," or that you know Xavier Woods is like, "I'm going to do it that way too." That hurts leadership because you can't tell this guy one way. He's better than you. He can do it this way. That that's why it's it's kind of tricky though. So you, you can say that about Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy was the best player on the team. He showed up after four games and sacked Brady twice before halftime. I mean, but was it worth it? No, it wasn't. So, is the leadership strong enough, Amber? I, I, I just go back to what Dave said. There are some things that you might not be able to change with strong leadership. I think that it does help that you have some guys like Tank in the locker room. It does help that this is the place where a guy like Errol Thomas wants to be or says he wants to be. But at the end of the day, those and even the, the examples that Dave and Nick just said, you see what happened there. These guys didn't hold up. And maybe all you need is one season from this guy, and maybe you're content with that and it works out. But at the end of the day, me personally, I don't think it's worth the headache. All right. I want to flip this conversation a little bit and take you back when we first started talking about all the safeties at the position. Uh, earlier this week, we heard Mike McCarthy talking about Darian Thompson and having a lot of praise for him. Um, and, and you look at just what they have at, at safety, I think you'd probably characterize, or at least I'll characterize it as uh, a lot of relatively young guys um, that, are, that are obviously not where Earl Thomas ever was in his career. Uh, but maybe, and even at this point, probably aren't as good as Earl Thomas, but maybe they are ascending players and, and maybe can reach a, a level of where Earl is right now. Not necessarily where he was when he was the best safety or among the two or three best safeties in the league, uh, but at least get to the point where they are above average safeties. Do you think that the Cowboys should consider that if you agree with that premise um, and, and consider the fact that maybe you just stick with your young guys and let them continue to develop by getting more snaps? rather than bringing in a guy like Earl Thomas. Let's start with you, Dave. That's, and, I, you know, I, I hate to sound like I'm riding the fence. Like, at the end of the day, if the deal was right, if the money was right, and, and Earl said the right stuff, I would probably be fine with them signing him because that's, I, I don't feel great 
about this situation. Uh, you know, it's hard to judge who's starting and who's going to start, and they don't even want us to talk about it anyway. But the early returns on HaHa ha Clinton Dix don't look amazing. You know, he's, he's not lighting camp on fire. Uh, and Darian Thompson, I think at this point, you know, they, they love him going back to the last coaching staff, but we haven't seen that play out on the field. Uh, same thing with, with Donovan Wilson. He's the fan favorite. We haven't seen a play out on the field. So I, I don't feel great about what they have, and that's what convinced, That's what keeps me from just saying absolutely not to Earl. Um, so I, I, I don't have a great answer, but if they go into the season with this group, I think it's fair to call it the weakest position group on the roster. All right, Nick. Uh, I think tight end could challenge that, but but um, I think that the problem though on safety is if it's not safety or tight end, maybe it's cornerback. So you got your whole secondary back there. That you know who's going to be leaning on who. I mean, cornerbacks are unproven, um, and then and the safety as well. So you know, getting a guy in there like that could kind of shore up your entire secondary. Uh, it'd be one thing if, if the corners were pretty solid. You don't worry about them, just safety. But a whole, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I might trust the safeties more than I trust the corners. So that, that's, I think that right there is, is something that needs to be addressed. Amber. To me, it's frustrating knowing that we've been talking about the safety position for over three years. And the fact that this is where we still stand and that they have not necessarily addressed the, the position in over these period, this amount of years, I mean, you're in this spot because you wanted to be in this spot. I mean, this is all on you. And if you're okay with that, then fine. Let it be, I guess. Uh, I just, the thing is, when you hear Jerry Jones always say, I can sign this guy if I want to. Basically, you know, I, I get the deals done, and, and they they have the ability to do that. And I know that many many things go into play when that, that it's just not as simple as that. You know, there are things, money, years, other things that you need to look at when giving someone a contract. But the fact that it's been this long and we're still sitting here, one talking about the safety position, two talking about Errol Thomas, it's just really frustrating. And right now, as I'm taking it, and I hate when I hear Mike McCarthy talking about, oh, yeah, we love the flexibility about corners and safeties, and they're interchangeable. I hate that mentality. Yes, it sounds great. But at the end of the day, when you have that kind of flexibility, you, you, you're not going to get a great guy. You're not going to get someone that's going to be great at one specific position when they have to be moving around. So... Um, I forgot what your question was, but that's just how I feel about it at the moment. Nick, did you have something? I was waving at Mickey. Oh. <laughs> Mickey, <laughs> Mickey was um, walking by. I waved at him. Now, I did, I did go like that when, when she said, we've been talking about safety for three years. You might be talking about it for three years. We've been talking about it for a, <laughs> a long time. Ever since that guy was playing, I mean, it, it's just never been a position that's really been addressed. And... Uh, you know, they, they've always kind of gotten away with you know, or trying to get away with it. And uh, I think it, it, at some point they need to do it. I, and, again, I, I agree with Dave. This is, I don't think this is an elite player anymore. But, uh, like I said before, I mean, he, his last game was the Pro Bowl. So his one year in Baltimore wasn't that bad. Now, everybody in Baltimore made the Pro Bowl that year. But 
you know, it's it's this is a tricky one. It, it's a it's really a, a dilemma the Cowboys have to figure out here. Real quick before we go to our first break, I do want to go around the room and I want you guys to tell me: uh, Do you think that this will actually happen? Based upon everything you know right now and what you know of the Cowboys and Jerry Jones, do you think this happens? Let's start with you, Amber. I don't. This is so hard. I don't. Honestly, I don't think so. I don't think so. And it's one of those things. I know it. It happens quite a few with different guys where you got Jerry wanting one thing and then a group of other people not necessarily wanting the same thing and it's just that constant battle there of what they like do they meet in the middle but then what's the middle because it's one or the other so hmm. as of right now I would say it doesn't happen all right Nick yeah I do I'm a believer there's smoke somewhere there's a fire I believe that there's been some smoke for a long time and I think that this is a position of need and I, I think that, you know, he, he's made it clear he wants to come here. Seattle played 16 games that year. I don't think he ran a, to every locker room. I think he wants to be here and, you know. And, and here now is better than it was when he was chasing Jason Garrett in the locker room. You know, this is, I think, a better team. So, yeah, I do think it'll happen. Dave? I don't want to make it sound too dramatic but I think whatever happens I think it'll it'll say something about you know who has the final say because if if everybody was in lockstep and totally felt the same way then the, the wheels would already be moving on this you know he's he's been free since Sunday afternoon and it's Wednesday and nothing has really happened I mean if everybody in the organization wanted him here he'd be here by now or at the very least you know they'd be but, talking to him or whatever um and, is that you know, still up for debate, David? Is what, was that question ever? Is that question ever in d debate of who's got the final say? Is that is that something that we need to figure out? I thought we've known well, that for thirty years. No, I I guess not that who has the final say, but basically what I'm trying to say is if if Earl winds up here, it's because Jerry Jones said, "No, I want this guy." Um, and right, when I say right. I'm not when I when I say I'm not trying to make it sound dramatic, I don't think that means. Him and Mike McCarthy are having a, you know, knockdown, dragout fight about it. But the sense that I get is, you know, Mike and Will are more along the lines of like, eh, maybe we don't need to be messing with this right now. And then, you know, Jerry comes along and there was all of this momentum building yesterday that said the Cowboys aren't interested. And Jerry went on 105 through the fan and kind of blew that whole thing up. <laughs> Uh, which just goes to show that, I, you know, I think Jerry was sending a very deliberate reminder that, hey, I'd still have the final say here in case anybody forgot. Um, so I don't think it's going to happen, but if it does happen, I think it's because the owner and general manager wanted it to. I will say this. I, I think we're reading, and I, I shouldn't say we. I, Dave, I think you're reading this a little bit differently than I'm reading it. I look at it as... Uh, in the same way it took a long time for the Cowboys, Cowboys to come around on a deal with Everson Griffin. Like, Everson Griffin has been a, a, out there for a while. It took a while before they got to the point where they were ready to make a deal, and I think part of that was because they wanted a deal. And I think that's the way the Cowboys operate. I don't think the Cowboys are in the business of saying, hey, we want Earl Thomas so badly that we're willing to give him a two-, three-, four-year deal. I think they're probably looking at Earl Thomas and thinking, hey, if nobody else out there wants him and he wants to come here for a one-year deal – uh, that's something that's, you know, fair, but not great, then maybe we're still in the business. And I think that's how they're looking at it. So I think that's why Jerry was noncommittal. I think it's about timing. I think they're going to wait and see what happens. And if there's another team out there that wants his services so bad that they're willing to give him a three- or four-year deal, I think the Cowboys are out. 
If they can let it get to the point where Earl sees, hey, I don't have a lot of options. I want to go to Dallas. I'll do it on a one-year deal. I'll try to go the Robert Quinn route and try to play my butt off this year on that one-year deal and see if I can leverage that into another deal after that, a longer-term deal after that. Then that's the way I go. And then both parties meet because both people are motivated or both parties are motivated to do a deal. I think ultimately that's how it gets done. So to me, it's really about timing. And I think that ultimately will decide whether Earl Thomas is a Dallas Cowboy or not. I completely agree with you. I guess my only, my caveat there would be you get kicked off one team for conduct detrimental three months after you're involved in a domestic dispute. I just assume that that kills whatever leverage Earl Thomas had. And may, maybe that's not true. That's my assumption. So you're right. Um, you know, Wait, at this- could, there, could there be a suspension coming too because of all this? No, no, no. Let's be clear. No. When you say a domestic dispute, Earl was not arrested or charged with anything. It was actually his wife that ended up in I, trouble. I, I, because I didn't say that. He was doing I, some... No, I, I know. I'm saying though, I didn't want anybody to get the wrong impression that that Earl was arrested on domestic, in a domestic dispute right. or that he was involved in a domestic violence type situation. That wasn't the situation. He was no, doing yeah. some stuff he probably morally shouldn't be doing, according to reports. Uh, but it, it was he, more his wife that was the issue. He he I was think, not a, he was not arrested or charged, but he was involved in a situation. And you can go read and read about it if you haven't. Yeah. Hey. I say this all the time. I know we got to go to break, but I say this all the time. I don't care if the guy's a bad guy or not. If he can play in the NFL, like if he's allowed to play, but like like she just said, it's not going to be suspended. If he's allowed to walk the streets based off of our, you know, judicial system, then I, I don't care about it because I'll say this: the fans and, and you guys have heard me say this. The fans don't care if Brandon Carr spends all of his time at the community center. They don't care. Can you cover? Can you not? Can you stop Odell from, you know, turning you into a highlight? Can you play? So if they don't care about the good guys, they they just want a guy who can play. Then why should we care about this? Can he play? That's the question. If he can play, I'd, I'd bring him here. Yeah, but it, it sounds more and more like this is more of a T.O. issue than an eight than an Antonio Brown issue. Like this is more of an issue of his personality, and him clashing with people. And that tends to be more the problem. And I think that's really, to be quite honest with you, a bigger issue that fans would care about because that's about the locker room, right? Okay, well, I mean, this locker room, these leaders in the locker room have led them to eight wins in the last few years. I mean, how good are they? Are the leaders? I mean, just because you bark <laughs> loud doesn't mean you can bite. So, you know, maybe they do need somebody to shake it up a little bit. All right, with that, we'll take our first break. We'll come back. Let's get into some camp battles. We're going to talk about some players and what they've been doing during training camp and some positions where there may be some jobs on the line. We'll talk about that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears. Okay, let's play. Ah, uh, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. 
Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. It's funny. As we travel places, often we find the places we want to travel aren't really places at all. They're people. They're grandparents, moms, old friends, and new nephews. That's why at American Airlines, we've been using enhanced cleaning measures so you can feel confident every step until you get to them. So, as always, our people can't wait to take you to yours. American Airlines. You are why we fly. To the break. Get the ultimate fan experience for the ultimate Cowboys fan. Join Dallas Cowboys United and get an exclusive DCU fan pack and member benefits. Membership started only $20. Visit DallasCowboys.com slash United to join today. Welcome back to the second segment of the break. We are live from the virtual SWBC Mortgage Studios. Uh, Nick's at the star, actually, on this off day for the team. They'll resume practices tomorrow on Thursday and Friday of this week. Saturday, there is no practice. And then Sunday, we have our uh, our special, uh, it's what's called Cowboys Night. It'll be an opportunity for you guys to uh, see a little bit of this team. Uh, we will be streaming it live on all of our channels. It'll be uh, locally here on our CBS affiliate, TXA 21. Um, and so you'll just have an opportunity to, to check out the team. Michael Irvin, Nate Newton, Bill Jones will be hosting it. Our guys, Nick, Dave, Rob, uh, maybe some other guys. I'm not sure who all is going to be from our team and going to be a part of that. But we'll have a lot of different, uh, a lot of different analysis coming from different folks uh, throughout that practice, just giving you guys a, a good look at this team and some analysis about what has been happening in training camp and heading into the season. So make sure you check that out. Let's talk a little bit, though, about training camp battles. I remember at the beginning of training camp, Mike McCarthy mentioned that there were he, he had the typical coach speak, there's battles at every position. Every position is about competition, and certainly that is the case as the way the coaches look at it. But realistically, uh, there are only a few spots, and, and certainly starting spots, where, uh, where you could make an argument that, that the position is kind of up for grabs heading into camp. What I did was identified, um, I identified five different positions that I want to talk to you guys about where I think there's at least some competition, not necessarily for starting roles in all of them, uh, but certainly from the standpoint of roles, people that will play a significant amount of time or people that will have uh, unique backup spots that, that are about roster spots. Let's start first with the left guard position, Connor Williams, Connor McGovern. Let's first start talking to me about what you've seen from both of those guys here throughout the first couple of weeks of camp. Let's start first with you, Dave. I've seen Connor Williams out there doing stuff on a regular basis. Ironically, he took yesterday off. Uh, I think it was more of a maintenance day than anything. But for a guy that's nine months removed from a torn ACL, I mean, he jumped right in. He wasn't on the PUP. He's getting reps from the very beginning. And Connor McGovern is definitely mixed in, but 
I am under the impression that that job is Connor Williams, uh, and maybe that's subject to change, but that's just how I feel so far. I think I think he's looked good. Nick, agreed. Uh, everything Dave said, uh, he's, he doesn't look like a competition uh, to me, and uh, you know we don't get a chance to really we don't get a chance to talk to players at all or see them. Uh, we got the chance to uh, talk to Connor the other day, Connor Williams, and you know he just seems. I don't know. It seems like he's he's ready to take this year on and, um, differently. It's third year now. This is this is a big season for him, and and I think this is not really much of a of a competition. Amber, I agree, and, and I mean not to say Connor McGovern. I think he's been doing a good job so far, but at the same time, what I've seen from him, you can tell he still needs growth. He still. I mean, remember, he barely had a season last year. He was out with the injury, the uh, pectoral injury, and that really hurt him in his development. So this year, I feel like he's back in his rookie year, doing the things that you usually see a rookie do in the first year. And he's doing a good job so far, but just not at the level to be right there competing with the other Connor Williams right now. Actually, Amber, I want you to talk a little bit about Connor Williams and his trajectory. I know uh, for, for fans out there that don't know, we actually have a documentary, a Deep Blue documentary we're going to be putting out in about a week and a half from now uh, that, Amber, that you put together. You did the whole thing. Really, really well done. Really great storytelling. But in the, you, you kind of dive into his trajectory and his story. And particularly, one of the things that struck me was kind of how um, he had to manage those injuries earlier in his career and how, you know, it's, it's kind of a part of his bigger story. So talk a little bit about Connor's story and and, and just kind of the, the whole trajectory of Connor Williams to the point that he is now. Well, I think that uh, Connor Williams, he, he's a guy that's going to fight. He's going to fight back. He's going to try to do his best to do what he needs to do in order to succeed. He was a guy that growing up got bullied a ton. And we know that usually when that happens, if you are someone that's able to overcome that in your life, you tend to turn out really good. You know, you tend to overcome all those issues and rise above. And Connor, he he's just a guy that honestly, even when he we don't see him at games or whatever, and you may think, oh, he was injured, he's still gonna be in the in the gym working out, doing the reps, doing the things that he needs to do in all, in order to accomplish what is being asked from him. I think another thing uh, that he was able to do was build a really good relationship with Travis Frederick during his time that he was still here. And he was able to not only get the you know physical aspect of it and, and the strength that he needed, but also the knowledge, which is super important when you know a guy like that on the line, you need to have that knowledge, the communication, learn and know what your role is. And I think that he, he's been studying, he's been working hard, and he, he, he's, he's gonna be good. He's gonna do a good job. We will uh, be uh, running that, that documentary on Sunday, September 6th. So make sure you guys check that out. We'll run it across all of our channels. It's a really, really good story. Well done by Amber. Um, let's Thank let's you. move on to another position. Let's talk about the three technique. Um, obviously, this is, has kind of gotten wide open now with Gerald McCoy going down and then being released. Uh, but you got uh, Tyrone Crawford, who's been a mainstay. And I think primarily he's going to be the guy that you would expect on, on opening day will be the guy that will be the, the starter. But let's talk about the, the young guys, Neville Gallimore and, uh, and Tristan Hill. Talk to me about what you guys have seen from those two players particularly um, and, and how they've performed relative to one another. Let's start with you, Dave. 
Yeah, I think I said when Gerald went down that they needed one of those two guys to step up. And to this point, it looks like it's going to be Tristan Hill. Um, and, you know, we do this every year. I, I don't I don't know if he's going to be in Dominican Sioux. I'm not saying it's he's going to be an all pro, but he he's getting reps. He's getting reps against the good players. He's consistently having good reps. You see him pushing the pocket and disrupting things. He he looks active. Um and I, I can't to this point say the same thing about Neville. And that's, it's, it, it's something that happens every year. I mean, he, he's a top 100 draft pick. You have high hopes for him. But that is a position where we have often seen growing pains. And uh, Gallimore, not to say he looks terrible. Um, he actually, he had, a, he had a fumble that he, uh, he knocked the ball out of Ben DiNucci's hand the other day. But you just haven't seen that consistent disruption and, and for that matter, you haven't seen him get as many opportunities to go against the studs. Um, so, I, you know, for me, it's, it's Tyrone Crawford and Tristan Hill fighting for the most playing time at that position right now. Nick? You know, I think that there's a wild card that could, that could kind of create a domino effect there, and that's Justin Hamilton. He's, he's 6'2", 315 pounds. He's not as big as Dontari Poe, but he's definitely bigger than anybody else on the team. He could be a one technique, and what that does is that might move Antoine Woods to a spot where they need to use him in the three. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see how all that shakes out. But I know Justin Hamilton is starting to create a little bit of buzz uh, for what, what they like there in the middle, and then we'll just figure out you know how, how it all goes. I don't think they're going to cut ties with, with uh, Justin Hill or – Neville Gallimore for that matter so that might be a position that they kind of go long um, just trying to figure out where everyone goes and maybe Tyrone doesn't play as much tackle as we think if some of these guys move up he can be a backup defensive end. Amber. I think Gallimore has been doing a good job but to me the one that, that has been standing out is Tristan Hill compared to last year and what we saw from him I feel that his movements and I wrote this the other day He's moving with purpose now, as opposed to last year where he, he just looked lost. He, he was still trying his hardest, but sometimes it, it, it just it wasn't, it wasn't working how you wanted it to work. But this year, he's moving with a purpose. He's just pushing. He brings the energy to practice, and that's something that's super important. One of the things that I noticed from a player, for example, Jalen Smith, a couple of years ago when he started out, he was just all over the field, and, and now you see that transition when a player learns where he's supposed to go and just becomes more confident. I mean, that, when it translates into the field, it's, it, it's impressive to see the growth there. Yeah, I think we were all uh, somewhat disappointed in what we saw uh, from Tristan Hill last season. Has what you've seen this season uh, changed your opinions of maybe where he is or, or his trajectory at this point based upon what you've seen so far in training camp. Uh, I'll start this time with Nick. Yeah, I think so. And, I'm, you know, he's, he's getting some high praise from people that matter. Uh, Jerry Jones, for one, who is obviously listening to, to other people talk uh, as well. You know, he doesn't probably see every minute of, of the practices and, and all the behind-the-scenes stuff. But Jim Tom Sula, his D-line coach, was, was really uh, raving about him the other day and how he's always got his – you know, he's always got his head in his in this, you know, uh, playbook ready, you know, looking, trying to get better, asking questions a lot. So, you know, he, he's he's doing everything right. He's got an opportunity now with McCoy gone. Uh, so, I, yeah, it's kind of lining up better for him. And maturity was all, always something that people were, were referencing when they talked about him. And 
you know, it's early, but but it does look like he's taken a, a better step in the right direction. Amber. I think so. He right now, I mean, the fact that he's being talked about is huge. He's making himself not be forgotten. So I think that he he'll stay here and he's on the right path right now. Dave. I, I sort of alluded to it already. I just, I, I'm trying, I'm, in 2020, I'm trying to just take a, a one-step-at-a-time approach because at the same position last year, you know, Malik Collins was having the best camp ever. And I think I spent three years expecting Malik Collins to make his first Pro Bowl. I felt confident about it every summer, <laughs> and it came back to bite me every fall. So I feel good about where he's at. He looks really good right now, but, you know, I'm, I'm not ready to say that he's just gonna take the league by storm i guess but we'll see all right let's move on to another position actually let's go ahead and take our final break when we come back i want to talk about the wide receiver position now obviously we've been talking a lot about those top three wide receivers but this cowboys team will have two three maybe four more that will make the roster let's talk about some of those guys we'll do that when we come right back this is dallascowboys.com radio since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Back to the break. Welcome back. It is the final segment of the break, live in the virtual SWBC Mortgage Studio. Uh, we're talking camp battles, and right now we're going to talk about the wide receiver position. We've talked so much about the top three guys, uh, but I want to talk about those guys uh, that are that are beyond those guys. It looks like the Cowboys uh, will have to make some decisions on uh, probably two, three. Nick, you were talking in the break, maybe four. I don't know. We don't know how this coach no, is going to prefer to cut this four. thing. <laughs> no, we were talking, we were discussing that. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was saying four, but again, not saying that they will, but we just don't know. I, at this point, the way I look at it is this is a whole new coaching staff. 
and they're going to make decisions probably very different than what we've seen in the past because they are different coaching staff. But all that being said, let's talk about some of these guys that are lower down the depth chart and maybe how they how you prioritize them. Guys like Cedric Wilson, Devin Smith, Noah Brown, Vintel Bryant, John V. Johnson, and then Tevin Jones and Aaron Parker. Give me in, in priority order, talk to me about maybe the top two or three guys in that list that you think have the best shot of making this team in the four, five, and six positions if that's what the Cowboys decide to do. Let's start with you, Dave. It's stressful, man. Because I mean, it's easy for receivers to have good camps. I get that. But like they're all having pretty good camps for the most part. And the way I prioritize it, there's there's so many different types. I mean, Cedric Wilson is Dak's favorite non-starting receiver, in my opinion, just based on the work that they do and the way they talk about each other. So you got your quarterback's favorite, does a little bit of everything, can return punts. Devin Smith is probably your best speed, deep threat guy and has shown that at this camp once again. Probably the least special teams value, but again, maybe the biggest receiver value. Then you got Noah Brown and Ventel Bryant might as well be the same guy, in my opinion. Uh, bigger bodies... They can do downfield stuff. They're useful in the blocking game. They both have already proven on previous rosters that they have special teams value. And then I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Um, John Vey Johnson? Yeah, you got, yeah, thank you, AG. Uh, John Vey, and I would put John Vey last in that group. Um, Parker, uh, is Aaron, yeah, Aaron Parker, he, he probably deserves a mention. He just, he looks different out there. He's a big bodied guy, too. Um, so he's intriguing. I, that's probably the order I would put it. But for me, it's basically Cedric and Noah and Brian all have special teams value. Devin Smith doesn't. And that's sort of where it gets complicated for me is figuring out what's more valuable. Amber. Uh, it's, it's really tough because these guys have been so like right there with each other. But the one that I would say that has stood out the most to me in recent practices has been Cedric Wilson. He's a guy that it's just one step further than the rest of the... He's taking the lead right now for me. But as far as the, the rest of the guys, I mean, just like Dave said, these guys are just so close to each other. And it's just comes... I think it will come down to the coaching staff and what they prefer in those wide receivers. What kind of traits and quality are they looking for in guys that have to take them like the fourth, fifth, sixth position uh, in the, I forget what you call it, but wide receiver group. Nick. Um, you guys have kind of touched on them all. I mean, I, I don't see, I don't see them really taking more than five. They may take six, but I, I would just take five and I, it would just be Cedric Wilson and Ventel Bryant. That would be my five. This is a this is a you know top three receivers are probably the best trio in the NFL. So I don't need my guys to be great receivers. Cedric Wilson I think can be special teams punt returner, a backup punt returner, and then also like a fourth receiver. He looks pretty smooth in his routes. Vintel Bryan I think is your best special teams guy. There's nobody else that I I would say you've got to have him on the roster. You know oh my God if we lost Noah Brown you know what it would be no different than the last two years when he really didn't play. Um, John Vay Johnson, those guys. I mean, the one player y'all didn't mention that I think it keeps standing out is Tevin Jones. He looks pretty good to me. He's got a really big body, and he's got some speed that you're not expecting for his size. So, you know, he looks pretty good, but they're going to have to go long in other positions. This, to me, wouldn't be one of them. I would go with five and call it a day. I think I just, go ahead, Dave. No, 
I sorry. I just I want to throw this out there. I know it was it was Randall Cobb last year, not C.D. Lamb, but all three of the big three spent time hurt last year. All three of them, and for a couple games, it was two. And it would sure be nice to have a guy like Devin Smith. I and laughably, they were in that exact situation last year, and the coaching staff didn't activate him for the Jets game. So Devin Smith stood on the sideline while nobody was healthy. Um, but that doesn't mean this coaching staff has to do that. Um, so. I, I tend to disagree. I think you could get away with going short at running back and tight end and a few other spots. Give me six receivers. I'll keep Cedric, Devin, and one of the big-bodied guys. I don't care who. Yeah, I think the, the one thing we'll have to be aware of and, and that we'll see how it all plays out once they make the cuts is McCarthy has said multiple times in his press conferences since training camp has began that, and this is a mantra he has about the whole team, guys need to be able to do multiple things. And doesn't want guys that are just like one thing, right? Um, and so I think that especially when you start talking about depth players, particularly at the wide receiver position, I think it's going to revolve a lot around what they can provide for the special teams. And the, the problem with that for us as people that are analyzing the team is that we aren't really seeing a lot with regards to special teams. Um, you know, obviously there's no live action for us to be able to get a real feel for how we think guys play on special teams. The coaches are certainly being able to see based upon the drills how many? What guys are actually doing the things that they need them to be able to do from a from a drilling type standpoint? So they'll be making that decision. Uh, but ultimately, I want to see how much this factors in, and especially when you start talking about numbers. You know, when you start talking about a sixth or possibly a seventh wide receiver, it's going to be all about the fact, in my opinion, what does that guy bring from to you from from a special team standpoint relative to that extra linebacker or you know that extra defensive back. Whatever position it might be, I think once you get to that part of the of the of the depth chart and that part of the roster, I think it's going to be all about what those guys are providing for special teams. I think there's going to be an added emphasis on special teams this year that maybe we haven't seen during the Jason Garrett era. Um, let's go ahead and flip over to the tight end position real quick before we end the show. Uh, so far, we've seen all the tight ends get involved: Blake Bell, Dalton Schultz. Uh, and, and they've been kind of the two guys that you think are, are kind of battling there behind Blake Jarwin. Um, talk to me about what you've seen from those two guys particularly and, and where you think they kind of rate right, rank right now. Let's start with you, Amber. <laughs> well, the only guy that I'm all up for is Blake Jarwin. I think he's been doing a really, really good job in every aspect of the game. He can block, he can catch the ball, he can get separated, find an open space. Even when he's not necessarily the target, I think he has a really good connection with Dak Prescott. But after him, honestly, I don't know. I don't know who else. No one else catches my attention. I think that Dalton Schultz has been doing a better job than he was last year. I've seen some improvement there, but that that doesn't excite me very much. So after Blake Jarwin, honestly, uh, I don't feel great about the position. Nick, you're up. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say right now. Um, I have seen Schultz make a couple more catches um, in the last few days. I think Blake Bell's going to probably be your your. He's going to be on the field a lot more than than people think, just because he, I think he will be your best blocker. Uh, Jarwin's been okay, you know, at times, um, but I, I think that that position is just going to be a product of how teams are playing the defense. And, and they have to worry about the other spots. And I think that the tight end will probably be pretty good. Or it'll, it'll be okay just because 
you know, they're, they're going to get good mismatches and, and they're going to probably take advantage of it at, at times. But I don't see them really standing out a lot, but I don't see them hurting them that much either. Dave. I think we gotta make a we gotta make a bet like we gotta do a me casino dinner bet or something because y'all are hating on these tight ends and I'm I'm over here feeling I'm giddy with anticipation about these tight ends because I think Blake Jarwin's gonna be a stud and yeah a, a lot of that is gonna be a product of his environment there's Pro Bowlers at every other skill position but he is an athletic dude and he can get downfield in a hurry. And Dak Prescott loves to look for him. Like, Dak has been throwing down the seams more than I can ever remember now that he's got more athletic options at tight end. I think Jarwin's going to have an awesome year. And I'll say, of the entire roster, I'm not saying he's going to make the Pro Bowl. I'm not saying he's going to be great. But where my expectations were for Dalton Schultz three weeks ago, as opposed to what I've seen, probably the biggest jump on the entire team. He's getting a lot of reps with with good players. They're using him downfield. He had an awesome contested catch over Jalen Smith the other day. Um, he's He's been very impressive and way more active in the passing game than I can ever remember to the point where, you know, I said in the offseason, like, well, Dalton Schultz might not, you know, be on this team. And now I certainly think he's going to make the team. Um, I've been I've been impressed by what they've been able to do with him. Yeah. For yeah the, I, go ahead, Nick. I think those guys will be fine at catching the ball. I think that they're going to get open. I just wonder when it's third and two, when they put two tight ends or three tight ends, can any of them block? Can any of them hold their block? Are they all going to be mismatches? And that's that's the problem that I have is that Jarwin can you, hold a block. Jarwin can get in the way, which is all I need from him. Yeah, I. Yeah. Right. I mean. And, you know, I think the last seven, eight years of Jason Witten's career, he was getting in the way. You know, he probably was getting in the way his whole career. He just knew how to how to do it. So, I mean, he's not pancaking anybody. Uh, that's my only concern is, yeah, I think they can catch the ball down the field. I just wonder about 13 personnel. I don't like that at all because I don't think that you've got good uh, matchups there. I hope Yeah, my hope is that 13 personnel that. went to New York. <laughs> With yeah, I think I hope 13 personnel went to New York, um, and I hope hope that that's not what we see a lot here. I mean, I, I know they don't obviously have some. I'm just we don't know how they're going to use it in games. I just I'm hopeful that that will not be something we see on a regular basis. And I will say this: I actually, for the first time in this show, agree with Dave. Like I and I'm talking about this episode. I've been really <laughs> excited about what I've seen from the tight ends. Now that doesn't mean I don't ever agree with you, Dave. Just in this episode, I, yeah, first I time you. I've agreed with you in this episode, and. And I really, I, I've, I've been very excited about what I saw from the tight ends, particularly Dalton Schultz. And, and that is all about, Nick, you and I talk about this all the time. It's all about your expectations, expectations. right? Yeah. Yeah. I, my Same expectations going Hill. into this, exactly. My expectations coming into this camp were that Dalton Schultz, was that Dalton Schultz was not going to make this team. That was my expectation. He has done more than enough at this point for me to, to think that the Cowboys certainly will give him a look, and he has a shot at making this team. Now, you don't, again, we don't know how they're going to cut this. We don't know if they're going to keep two or three tight ends. My assumption is it's going to be three. And if it's going to be three, I think he makes this team. Uh, but I think he has been much better than I expected him to be. Um, I love what I'm seeing from Jarlin right now, particularly down the field. And quite frankly, as far as the blocking is concerned, I don't expect we're going to see a lot of that and what those guys can do until we get into the season. Because training camp is just not the environment where you typically see a lot of, uh, a lot of great uh, blocking that you can evaluate from the tight ends. You can see a little bit. Not as much as yeah. you'll obviously see during the season. I think that was the whole reason that Blake Bell was brought here. So that's why I don't think Blake Bell may be showing up as much for us right now when we're looking at passes down the field. 
But I do think I agree with you, Nick, from that standpoint. I think he's going to get opportunities to block, and I think he's going to be a very good addition to this team from that standpoint. It's, I wanna, it goes back I wanna, to what oh, we said about – Sorry, Nick, go it, ahead. It goes back to what we said about Vintel Bryant. He might, not, he might be the tw- 11th best receiver catching the ball. But he'll make the team if he can be the best receiver that can play special teams. And that's the thing about Schultz. Schultz wasn't that great on special teams last year. He had his issues there. It comes down to strength. It comes down to blocking. So catching a pass over Jalen Smith, that's great. But that's probably not what they're going to ask him to do. So his value of taking him to the game is the blocking. It's the special teams being the third tight end. Those are things that are hard to see right now. Uh, yeah, he's doing some good things on offense, better than we've seen, but I still think his core job functions are going to be blocking on special teams and also blocking you know, at the line of scrimmage. I just wanted to throw out, I don't, I don't think it would be fair to do a whole 10 minutes on the tight ends and not at least mention Cole Hicotini as well. Um, I think yeah. he's, he's looked good. He's gotten a lot of opportunities. Um, he's, he's, I mean, he's another more athletic tight end. He's still not your big traditional blocking guy, but I do, I mean, his athleticism is really impressive. So I don't know if he makes the team, but I I, I think he's having a good camp. I thought he would, he would challenge Dalton Schultz for a roster spot and, and Dalton Schultz has answered the bell and from what we've seen. So, but I thought Hikatini would, would be a guy and he's done, like you said, he's done a good job. All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. That's a wrap. We'll be back next week, next Wednesday. 11 a.m. is our normal time. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleson. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!